Well, when this uh, pandemic happened, all events have been stopped. So 80% of the revenue just dried right up and stopped. Hey listeners, welcome to the 2020 show, where we try to decipher what the world past 2020 will look like. I'm your host and 2020 grad, Angelina Reindering. Let's dive in. On today's show, we are really excited to welcome Don Chapman. Previously, Don was president of Novel Canada for 11 years, helping the company to achieve significant growth in areas like Linux, resource, and infrastructure management. He was also an executive at many other large corporations like Compute Innovations, IBM, and more. Presently, Don is a CEO advisor, helping leadership teams lead their businesses to higher levels of achievement. So Don, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. To start off, can you tell me a bit about um, your role as a CEO advisor and what kinds of companies you've been working with um, over the past little while? Uh, when I retired, it was 14 years ago, um, we observed at the time, I was part of ITAC, Information Technology Association of Canada. And we noticed that Canada is pretty good at uh, incubating and starting companies, technology companies. And they would grow to a certain size between one to $5 million in revenue. Typically a technology oriented individual would start the company and they would bump their head on growth. And there was nothing around to help them how to get to the next level of growth. So I decided I'm gonna focus that area for the rest of my life and help CEOs do that. So what I really do is I don't really do anything for them. I allow them to see things that they normally wouldn't see that allows them to do things they normally wouldn't do, which allows them to be more effective. So that's really the role I am as a coach. With this podcast, we're trying to per- figure out what the world is going to look like going into 2020 and beyond. So I think one thing that would be helpful for our viewers to hear is um, maybe how have your how have your companies fared throughout this transitionary period and how are they moving forwards? Well, uh, the advice, the, the coaching will be given the companies is basically three basic steps. Uh, every company is being impacted a little differently from one to another, but the approach is all the same. The first thing is you secure your revenue. So um, you look at your customer base, make sure you're, they're being well looked after and that you've got continuity of revenue. Whatever that revenue continuity is that you decided to predict out the next six to 12 to 18 months, the next thing you look at is your expenses. And there's expenses that you could probably reduce, but you could spend it differently. So this is a chance now to reallocate your spend so that you get a better yield for what you spend. So they may shift it from event marketing to some other type of marketing or reallocate what people do in their day-to-day jobs uh, on that. So that allows them to do uh, that kind of refreshment. Then the third step is to really look at your clients and understand and be ahead of the curve and how to help them through this pandemic. Not to be a reactionary, but to be ahead of the curve in helping them to be proactive. Because people never sell to people really in business. What they do is they develop a relationship. So if I was to sell a company uh, a product, well, I expect them to continue to buy it from me. So I've really developed a relationship. And and what they're doing is they're they're saying, I'm buying your services or product because I believe you can do better than me. So they really outsource that to you. And they expect you to stay current and be ahead of the curve. So you must be ahead of the curve in helping the clients through this pandemic situation. Um, With that, that says that if you've got a strong balance sheet, then this is the time to get aggressive about trying to win new business and look at innovative ways of doing that. Most companies increase their market share during downturns of the market. They don't increase their market share when everything's booming. It's when the 
the market goes down, everyone's balance sheet gets weak, and the strong gets stronger, or the aggressive get to be stronger. So it's that basic advice. And there's a fourth uh, example is that, how do I create a working environment that's safe uh, for my employees and that they get some motivation and development enjoying what they're doing in a different environment? So I'd be really, really close to your employees as we go through this. That's basic advice that I've been given. When we were previously talking, you mentioned a couple of really interesting examples of how some of your companies were pivoting or um, going through short-term or long-term adjustments to help deal with this pandemic. So maybe if you could go a bit into detail with that, I think that'd be really interesting. Sure, we'll give you some examples. So there's a, a company, a fairly large company that does ticketing, like Ticketmaster, but they do it where the actual event uh, manager has their logo on and everything else. So let's say like Ed Murmish Productions, but they're around the world and they get 80% of the revenue from ticket sales because they're the underlying infrastructure where you buy now, get your tickets, get your seat numbers, and then you pay for it. And you pay to them and they in turn give it to the, the customer. Well, when this uh, pandemic happened, all events have been stopped. So 80% of the revenue just dried right up and stopped. So what this allowed them to do, they had a fairly good balance sheet. So they looked out how long could they last? And they, they're figuring 12 to 16 months they could make it work. So what they had done in the past five or six years, they acquired different companies and each having a, a bit of a different architecture underneath. It was a challenge for them to get to one common place because all their clients were using the ticketing systems, had to keep you know, a record of who bought tickets from for what event at what seat. And if you change the systems, they have a high risk of messing things up. Well, there's no tickets. Now they can migrate very quickly, get into a common platform from a cost of improvement. That's a significant cost reduction in doing it for them. The other thing they found is that there was a whole new area of looking at ticketing that came their way that they hadn't planned on. And that was places like churches. So people want to go to a church that don't want to sit beside each other tightly and want to keep a social distance. So the churches want to have pre-assigned seating that honors social uh, distancing and allow people to go online and book their seat, first come, first serve. And so now that's a new business that's coming about. Um, another example would be um, in, in, a, in a different way, it's kids camp. They sell software for kids camp for North America. And this software allows the registration. It allows the update to parents while the kids are at camp, giving them information does the billing, does the scheduling, and uh, obviously a lot of people don't want to send their kids to camp. But there are people that want to send their kids to camp, and so the camps are going through this, what do I do? And so they're being proactive in helping, first of all, kids' camps get through financially. They're saying they figure they get 12 to 18 months too, but they're also helping their clients as they go through this change. But none of the kids' camps want to open this summer because they don't want to take the risk. So their biggest challenge is how do I convince parents that they can't go to camp? Because if they do, there's this higher level of risk, right? So it's interesting thing what they're going through. There's another one, another example would be, it's where you're, you're being ahead of the curve, but it's not in the solution that you sell. This is a, a company that sells condo software. So on your mobile app, you know, everyone who has a condo, they have an app on their phone, they can you know, reserve the, the, the boardroom or reserve this room or communicate any of this fix, or they do updates back to the, and it's really good pro and they're doing very well. Uh, so this pandemic come along, everything was going okay, except that the boards that make the decision in these condos, in their minutes, they had to meet in person. Of course, you can't meet in person. So this particular company went around teaching all these board members how to use Zoom so they could have virtual meetings in order to make decisions so they could continue growing their business. And it's worked out very well for them. 
there's a couple other companies where they just haven't been in the technology business of assisting companies, getting their employees to work remotely and yet securely. And so they're having a difficult time keeping up to the business. Awesome. So that's some examples of how different companies are involved in this. So you mentioned the kids camp company, they're trying to convince parents not to book. So what are they doing outside of that? Like, how are they looking to carry on their business outside of that? Well, all the, again, that you secure your revenue. So right. understand how long you can exist as a company. Right. So the kids camps, some of them are paying full price or paying a reduced price to keep using the solution in the, in the plan that the following year we're going to have full attendance. And so everyone's developed a financial plan to secure the revenue for a period of time to allow them to achieve this. So that you're actually planning not to get business so that you can have a trusting and secure place. The worst thing that could ever, ever happen is some child went to a kid's camp and then got COVID-19. Nobody would send a kid's camp. So there has to be a level of trust that people will go to before they'll go to the next step of engaging. Right. So right now it's just about building up that trust and trying to make sure that they're fine until they can. It's most restaurants. Everyone has to do this. I would say the one thing that all companies have to do is how do I earn the trust? That if I go to a restaurant, that I feel secure, that I won't get COVID-19, that I need to make them fun. Right. Do you have any advice for maybe companies that are not software-based and have, um, you know, a tight, a diff, maybe a tighter time trying to keep expenses up? You have to pay rent, of course, and stuff like that. Um, how can like businesses work to maintain trust while still staying afloat? Right. So the unfortunately. Um, when you get a, a situation like this, there's some companies are gonna fail. Yeah. Those that have a weak balance sheet or, or a minimal level of profit that allows them to stay alive and if they can't last more than 30 to 60 days, a lot of them aren't gonna last, unfortunately. So it's the weaker of those. The other companies will have uh, built up a, a strong enough balance sheet where they can get by 30 to 60 to 90 days. Even in these revised times of uh, social distancing where they can have less um, patrons at their restaurant, the revenue may not be enough for allow them to make a profit too. So they may have to raise their prices, but if they raise their prices, will it reduce the amount of people that come? So there's a lot of things that they still have to work out in this new way of coming out of the pandemic. How do you predict that this pandemic is going to change um, business strategy in your companies in the long term? Uh, an event like this causes a um, a quicker movement of change. So for instance, using Zoom that we're using today, the amount of people using Zoom today versus three or four months ago was significantly different. So it accentuated the change. And so you're gonna see all kinds of technologies uh, being used to accentuate the change much more quickly than it normally would. So the pandemic caught that, that quick change. I think that's really interesting and I think that's very true. Like you mentioned, I think the daily users for Zoom went up from 10 to something like 300 million over the course of a couple of months. So people are really a lot more willing to um, try out these new technologies because we don't have a choice now. Right. Okay. Yeah. Another, another simple example is cash. Yeah. People don't, the retailers don't want to take cash anymore. I, don't, I have some uh, money in my pocket and I have not touched it in the last three weeks. Yeah. I've done everything through my, my watch, my iPhone watch or credit card even my Starbucks, whatever, right? You just, everyone touches because it's a lot better than having to deal with cash back and forth. Yeah, that's so true. So again, that's another way of a rapid adoption to a cashless society. Yeah, yeah, this may push that as well. Absolutely. Uh, yeah.
Do you see any other areas that may quickly accelerate towards change because of this? Um, there was a, a change that was happening in gaming. Yeah. Where they used to have big events and people would go to all these gaming events. And uh, it, it was starting to get audiences as big as some of the sporting events. I think you'll see the gaming events get really large yeah. and active versus uh, the sporting events. So it may come out as an entertainment. Other forms of entertainment will be coming up much differently than what we expected. Um, there used to be, for instance, uh, a two, three day seminar or something like that. So now we're going to see seminars, but they're not going to be in two, three days because people can't sit on a computer for two or three days. Right. But we will find a way to keep people engaged and knowledge transfer and skills development virtually, but in a different way. And you'll see all kinds of innovative, innovative new ways of it happening. Some early things that are happening, and these are just little things, it's just as people start to think. For instance, we, I, used to, I used to run two roundtables a month. I still run two roundtables a month of CEOs, okay. uh, six to 10 of them. And we used to go out for dinner and we have conversations and share information and ideas. Well, we've been doing it virtually now, right? And everyone's quite enjoying it virtually. And then what we do is we used to have uh, a dinner and wine. So we had Uber Eats and the dinner and wine to everyone. And so things like that. I mean, so you're going to, I mean, that's a minor innovation, but you're going to see a lot more different ways of uh, leveraging uh, technology or interface with each other and accomplishing things. We've seen a lot of um, pivots that many businesses have taken. For example, certain factories pivoting to make masks, um, the, the, the inflow, influx of people using Zoom. Yeah, so instead of virtual conferencing and things that I've mentioned, do you see any other emerging opportunities for innovation? Selling online. There's a company called Shopify. And what they did is they went to retailers and helped them put their business online. They're growing like crazy because all these retailers that had to close, trying to find a way to keep their business going, set it up online and started selling online. Um, Uber Eats and that type came along and allowed restaurants to sell their product outside of the actual restaurant. And some have been doing very well and probably maybe do a better business with that now than they were with sit-down dining. Yeah, yeah. So some companies are making the change that's for the betterment. The pandemic has just allowed it to happen sooner than later. An example would be teachers. Uh, well, I'll, say, I'll give you one before the pandemic. That was bank towers. You know, before banking machines came along, everyone thought, you know, the banking machines are going to put towers out of business. And we just reallocated what people did. But for teachers, um, they were hesitant about any online kind of teaching technology. And now they have no choice but to use it. And it takes a while for them to learn it. And they're going to get good at it. They're going to make it better and better and better. And over the months and quarters and years to come, it'll be more better. It will completely replace it? No. I think you'll see a combination of classroom and online teaching because of social distancing. You can't fill the classroom like you could before. So it may be half the size or a third of the size. So kids won't be going to the school every day. They could be doing online and then have one or two days a week where they go to school and see the teacher. So we're able to still use the same infrastructure, but leveraging uh, the virtual technologies a lot more. That's an example of a, of a change that's really coming. Uh, electronic health, healthcare. Um, I always got a kick out of it. If I wanted a, a prescription renewal at the drugstore, I had to go see my doctor because the only way the doctor could be paid is I had to see them. 
right? This is the way the system was. Nowadays, everything being virtual, and you can see and stuff like that, that whole uh, telemedicine is going to change dramatically as we, as we learn. But it needs people to use it, learn it, and make it better. Yeah. So it takes a bit of time for that kind of thing. Yeah, so with the education example, I'm sure there are lots of, I think yeah. that your prediction makes a lot of sense. And on the online front, um, I think there's a lot, there's probably going to be a lot of innovation that happens in the tools that teachers are using to make um, the content more engaging, uh, make the make the education better. So there's, in, there's room for innovation there. Um, but there's also, as people use telehealth and telemedicine, we'll probably see that get better, like you said. Um, and what I think is really fascinating is that even these shifts will have lots of domino effects. So uh, if, if, if and when the change with the school system does occur and we're only going to school two, three times a week, then that means the buildings are now free for the majority of the week. So they can now be used for other things. Um, and possibly that will sh cause some sort of other shift um, in the physical world that we hadn't previously thought of. So on a larger scale, how do you, how do you see COVID-19 impacting the world economy on a short and then a long-term scale? So in the short term, it's can we get by in the next 12 months? In the long term, those that are going to be successful will be slightly different than it was before. So anything that assists in social uh, gathering but keeping the distance, anything that helps help people, they regain their trust and confidence and allowing them, those are the ones that are going to be very successful. I mean, look how often we're using technology today, like from the Apple, Apple to all those other companies, uh, those who are doing online, Amazon, any of those industries that are helping out on this are going to do very, very well. Those industries that aren't and can't shift their, their uh, solution to do that may have a challenge. But I would say a lot of companies are quite adept at making, I call it rebetting the business. So they have to rebet the business, right? And big companies like IBM, everyone else has done this many times. Some companies couldn't do it. I don't know if you remember the name Kodak. You know, uh, there's companies that couldn't make the shift. Um, Blockbuster used to rent videos. They couldn't make the shift. But Netflix was in the video renting business. They made the shift. The shift. Right? So they had to rebet the business. So this is not new. This has been ongoing. And just again, the pandemic, in the long run, it's just you need to do that a little sooner than later. You don't have the luxury of an ongoing good economy to keep you support as you make the change. You're going to have to make the change quicker. Do you have any advice for other entrepreneurs, business owners, or executives who are trying to deal with the crisis for how they can um, make the most of these changing times and come out in a good place? Um, it's back to those three steps. Yeah. You know, secure your revenue, reallocate your expenditures, and be ahead of the curve for your plan. Uh, and uh, the third one's probably the most important. If, you, if you're a partner to your customers, they depend on you to help, you're helping them get through it with, the, with your solution and capability is really important. There are some companies that are starting up, so they may not have quite the revenue yet. A lot of successful startup companies happen during recessions, right? Because people are shifting the way they do business and allow them to get entry in for people to look at it. So. I would suggest to young entrepreneurs who are starting the business, do not slow down. If it is a good model and has a lot of benefit for customers, do not slow down because of this. Go as fast as you can to get there. Hey listeners, thanks so much for tuning into the first installment of the 2020 show. 
we have some amazing guests lined up for you. From leaders at tech giants like Google and Microsoft, to founders, policymakers, and more. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, stay safe.